the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up on The Common Good, we're going to talk Justin Bieber. We're going to talk about the heavyweight championship fight from this weekend. You're listening to The Common Good. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad that you are joining us on this Monday morning, usually joined by Ian Simpkins. Ian is out all week this week, so uh, yeah, I'd like to say that he's out vacationing, but I believe he's at school, like an intensive week of grad school, and uh, so... I uh, won't be flying solo. I will be flying solo all week, but most of the week we're going to have some fascinating guests with us this week. Uh, today, uh, in the second hour, our old friend Ashley Hare is going to be here, a local pastor. That's going to be kind of the theme. Lots of local pastors this week. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to ha- join us all week as we will be bringing these people in um, and uh, holding down the fort until Ian gets back. Uh, next week, our producer John is behind the glass, and uh, you can find us all over the place. Find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good Radio Show online at eleven sixty hope dot com. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk, and as always, get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we are grateful for all of you uh, who do that. John, how was the weekend? It was refreshing. Actually. Oh, refreshing. Yes. To, to not be freezing your tushy off or shoveling nine feet of snow, but that's all changing, obviously. We haven't today. had much snow this year. It's been a great winter. But it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> that's the rumor. Winter's coming. March will be here. That's will the be rumor. Coming. Hey, but once you get to March, it's like it's like you can see spring. You know, I mean, baseball started this week. What's what are you talking spring? about? Oh, okay, you're right. Baseball, baseball, on baseball is an indication of spring, but my first Cubs game of 2017, I remember it was 21 degrees. It was like wind chill below 15. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I remember going to uh, one of the t- only other times I went to opening day. I believe I was in college or just out of college, so I don't know the year. Probably we're talking 2000, 2001. And uh, it snow flurried the whole time, and people were taking their shirts off and everything. And I thought, well, that's not exactly baseball season, but what are you going to do? Well, again, we are glad that you are joining us. And uh, we wanted to start today with a clip that's been going around uh, on somewhat of a viral nature, especially kind of around Twitter amongst uh, Christians. And uh, I want to set it up this way. It is the clip of Justin Bieber uh, in, in an interview the other day talking about his faith. Uh, and what is fascinating about this is I'm going to just be blunt and honest is that when I, and we've talked about this on the show before, when it comes to guys like Justin Bieber or Kanye West or other people like that, uh, sometimes I could take kind of a skeptical eye towards them. Like really, like are, are are they really kind of growing in their faith? Is this really happening? And you just kind of see the ups and downs right out there in public. And uh, Ian and I have even talked about that, particularly along the lines of Kanye West. But being careful to hold these people up 
uh, as uh, Christian celebrities and this and that. But every now and then you're reminded that God still works powerfully in ordinary people and people who are, quote unquote, celebrities in our culture. And uh, there's a clip going around of Justin Bieber kind of talking about his faith. Uh, That was really impressive. So I want you to hear that. Jesus, he says that now you walk with the Holy Spirit. So I think I just want to be led by by the Holy Spirit. We're not really good at the end of the day at the core. I don't believe I don't believe the humans are good. And people might you know twist this and make me seem like I'm saying humanity's not good. I don't know. Tell you the truth. I just feel like at the core, I fight every day temptation and things that you know are instinctive to do whether it's you know whatever it is lie be greedy all these things that just naturally come those naturally come i gotta fight to not be that Uh, maybe humanity's you know it's it's come to a place of being really you know it's it's broken i mean it's just just look around i mean the pain in this world it's just so it's like it's obvious and uh people are looking for hope and they're looking for a way out and they're looking for an escape and they're looking for, um, they're looking for truth and they're looking for, um, yeah. And I'm just, uh, I've gotten the opportunity, um, with my journey to just see a God who's accepts me, loves me. Um, they call him the savior. Um, and I believe that to be true mm. that Jesus saved me. I mean, just a powerful clip there. And again, uh, you know, I would say uh, Justin Bieber is knocking down some some important theological points there. Not just that it, that the world is increasingly broken, but it's always been broken since the fall. And uh, he's speaking there about the work of Christ in his life. And I think what we are reminded of uh, is that um, at their core, Again, we live in quite the celebrity culture, and I've shared this before. I'm as guilty as anybody. I love to read People magazine and all those types of magazines. Uh, but at their core, uh, these people that we hold up as celebrities or tear down as celebrities are just people who are wrestling with a lot of the same things we are and uh, who have a need for a savior just like we all do. And there you've got Justin Bieber, whose entire existence since he was, what, 13, 14 years old, has been lived out on the stage, on the uh, in, in public view. And there you have Justin Bieber saying, you know what? Um, the world is broken. I've dealt with that brokenness. I continue to deal with that brokenness. Like, he owned the fact of just dealing with that brokenness on a daily basis. He said, I've been in dark places. I've dealt with brokenness and Jesus has saved me and I want to walk in the Holy spirit. I mean, that is uh testimony one one there. That is so encouraging. And uh, it reminds me, it makes me feel guilty in some level ways of, uh, of not being one of those people who lob stones at them, like, oh, kind of self-righteously, oh, what's Justin Bieber now? Justin Bieber seems to be like uh, God is doing a work in his life and we need to be praying for him, but also encouraged by the words that he said there, right? Some of you are dealing with the brokenness of this world that he talked about in very um, acute ways uh, and in very painful ways. And I never thought I would say this, John. I would say, listen to the words of Justin Bieber. <laughs> and uh, there, there is another clip where he talks about how uh, salvation is freely given. Did you want to hear sure, that? Sure, let's hear that. I just didn't know what the heck was going on. And so 
I really took a deep dive in my faith, to be honest. I just went deep into like, I believed in Jesus, but I never really like, you know, when it says following Jesus is actually turning away from sin. Mm. And so there's no, what, what it talks about in the Bible. It's like, there's no obedience. There's no faith without obedience. So it's like, I had faith about like, oh, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but I never really implemented it mm. into my life. I never like was like, I'm going to be obedient. So when did you decide to actually move within the guidelines and how did you find yourself away from, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to drink or do drugs or sleep around or all these other distractions. How did you get out of that world? What was the turning point for you? I think it was my perception of who Jesus really was. You know, um, I'd had really bad examples of Christians in my life. Uh, who would say one thing and do another. So they were the, my direct example of who Jesus was. That's why you didn't take it seriously. I didn't take it as seriously because I didn't have good examples. Good role models. They, yeah. The way I look at my relationship with God and with Jesus is I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. God has already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn and deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus and just giving your life to him and what he did is the gift. The forgiveness is the thing that we look at him. You know, I'm going to worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. I mean, that's just Ephesians two right there. And that is just uh, such an encouragement. And hopefully some of you out there needed to hear that, that you don't love God and do good things so that God will accept you. You do them because God has already accepted you and already loves you. And that, uh, that, that the gift of Jesus is just that it's a gift. It's a sign of God's unsurpassed kindness and his undeserved mercy towards us. And uh, we can take great confidence in that. And so I wanted to play those clips and hopefully those will serve as an encouragement to some of you. Well, coming up next here on this Monday afternoon, we are going to talk about some uh, two difficult stories that came out of the Christian world this weekend. We're going to do that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. <laughs> the common good on am 1160 hope for your life my name is brian Fromm. glad to have you joining us on this monday afternoon normally joined by ian simpkins but my partner ian is uh he is uh doing some schooling i believe he is away for this week so uh, we're gonna have a lot of different guest hosts in with us uh local pastors local ministry leaders in fact in the five o'clock hour today i'm gonna be joined by the for the whole hour by ashley Hare. ashley has been on the show before uh, but can't wait to talk to Ashley again. Ashley is the lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. And as I said, he's been on the show before. So Ashley will be joining us come the second hour. But I'm going to fly solo for the rest uh, of this hour. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, uh, on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online 1160 Hope. Dot com And as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, we are grateful uh, for those of you uh, who do that. Before jumping into our stories that we wanted to discuss here, let me tell you about something going on here at AM 1160. AM 1160 is excited to welcome songwriter and recording artist Andrew Peterson to Elmhurst Christian Reformed Church. On Friday night, March the 27th, for the first stop on the 2020 Resurrection Letters Tour. Don't miss your chance to see Andrew Peterson in concert. Tickets start at just $25, and VIP tickets are available for $49, and include a pre-concert question and answer with Andrew. 
Group discounts are available for groups of 10 or more. So get your tickets today at 1160hope.com. That's 1160hope.com. Andrew Peterson, I've uh, never seen him in concert, but everybody who has says that he's phenomenal. So I would encourage you to get your tickets and join us there. Uh, Ian and I often talk about how we see one of our goals here is to encourage the church, but also to highlight places where there's just brokenness and pain, whether it be in the church or uh, in the big C church or just in Christianity and the faith in general. Uh, So two stories came out this weekend, and I'm wanting to highlight both. The first one's out of France. Report uh, Larche founder. Uh, I'm guessing I might, my French is, you know, my mom was a French teacher, John. And so I took I did French. I know that. I took French class. Did not go well. I didn't take it with her. Um, you but, also take Spanish? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, uh, so you couldn't like, there was like a weird differentiation between the two. And on my mom said there was, they're both in the same, they're both Latin languages. So. Yeah. No, I never. There's different pronunciations with, with, with consonants, obviously. You don't say the last right. consonant in a word or something. I don't know. It's some weird. Nope. I never took Spanish. Kind of wish I had, but I took French, and it's going to show that I don't remember very much of it. So uh, the organization is uh, is Larche, and the founder is Jean Venier. Uh, and he says just that came out that he abused multiple women. Uh, Veneer, who helped improve conditions for the developmentally disabled in multiple countries over half a century, sexually abused at least six women. A report produced for this French-based charity was found. So he founds, uh, he, he is the founder of this um, charity that so many people have highlighted, and it has done unbelievable work specifically with helping people with special needs. And he, on some levels, was... Uh, held up, you know, just like a step below a saint. Uh, And so he's no longer alive. But according to the report released by uh, Larsh International Saturday, the woman's descriptions provide evidence enough to show that Veneer engaged in manipulative sexual relationships over a period from 1970 to 2005, uh, usually with a psychological hold over the alleged victims. Uh, uh, Veneer, uh, that's how we're going with his name, right? Uh, A respected Catholic figure and Canadian died last year at the age of 90. The alleged victims felt deprived of their free will, and so the sexual activity was coerced or took place under coercive conditions. None of the women were disabled, a significant point given the Vatican has long sought to portray any sexual relationship between religious leaders and other adults as consensual unless there was a clear evidence of disability. But the Me Too and Church Too movements have forced a recognition that power imbalances such as those in spiritual relationships can breed abuse. So I'll stop there. Uh, This hit like a bomb for a lot of people uh, because uh, Jean Venier uh, and his organization have been held up as to mm, this might be an overstatement, but by many people of what is good with humanity and what is good with the world. Uh, and uh, this organization will continue. They will continue doing good work. But, oh man, my Twitter, uh, looking at Twitter this weekend, seeing the number of people who were just uh, downtrodden over this because uh, it was a, a case of another person who had been held up high uh, taking a spectacular fall. Uh, and so that was the first story that came out. The second story 
reads this way. Fifteen months after investigators uncovered a $35 million scheme involving the former publishers of Newsweek and the Christian Post, a Christian college, and a tech vendor, the accused parties have been convicted of money laundering, conspiracy, and fraud. IBT Media's former owner... Uh, Etienne Uzak and Christian Media Corporation International's former CEO, William Anderson, who was also the CEO and publisher of its flagship site, The Christian Post, entered guilty pleas before Manhattan District Attorney last week. Today, California-based Olivet University, represented by its president, Tracy Davis, pleaded guilty to falsifying business records and engaging in conspiracy uh, and was fined $1.25 million. Dollars. Andrew Lynn, who resigned as Olivet's board chair earlier this month, was convicted of fraud and has been barred from leadership uh, for two years. And so this story just keeps going and going on as well about some of these respected Christian organizations uh, defrauding their people and defrauding not just their people, but investors and making money off of them. There was another story this weekend. Uh, about calling into question some of the dealings with John, one of John MacArthur's sons, and some money. I would all bring. I bring all of those up, not because it's like, hey, yeah, look at these stories, but instead to say these are really painful, and yet another example as to why we as Christians must be super careful, and I'll do quite frankly a lot better than we normally do about holding up people as celebrities in the Christian world. Right. You go back to the Jean Veneer uh, story. He was held up as all that was good. And he did great stuff. Uh, but in some ways, he was held up as a modern day saint. And now you get this report that comes out uh, about the things he did. And then you start looking at Olivet and the Christian Post and all of these different people. And you start going, what is wrong with people? Like, we need to take two things away from this. One, if you're in a position of power and you're in a position of money, access to money or whatever else it might be, and you claim to know Jesus, quit stealing money. Quit doing these types of things. Uh, you are not just damaging your own reputation, but you are damaging uh, the cause of Christ. And secondly, we as Christians need to remember that really the only one that we are to hold up uh, is Jesus and uh, to look to various celebrities, whether it be celebrity pastors, uh, celebrity ministry leaders, uh, powerful people, whatever else it might be, we are setting ourselves up for failure. So these are these are difficult stories. We understand that, but we feel the need to highlight them again, just to say, be really careful about where you put your hope. Be really careful uh, about where you put um yeah, your hope and, and your esteem, okay? Be really careful. Well, coming up next, there was a huge heavyweight title fight this weekend between uh, Wilder and Fury. We're going to talk about that fight and uh, some interesting things that came out of it next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Join normally by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is not here with us today. Uh, he is uh, getting uh, more educated. He is uh, What Ian does is he takes classes, I believe, throughout the year remotely, but twice a year, I think, for a week, he has to go and be on campus 
for some more intensive class. And that this week is one of those weeks. So uh, we are going to hold down the fort while he is gone. One of the ways we're going to do that is to have a lot of in-studio guests through the course of the week. Uh, beginning in the second hour of today, we're going to have Ashley Hare from um, Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. Ashley's been on before, but he is going to join us for the entire five o'clock hour. As always, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. This past weekend, there was one of the biggest heavyweight fights in a long time. Some people were saying it was the biggest fight since Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis back in the early 90s. That was, was the fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, both of whom uh, were undefeated. I believe Wilder was 42-0, and 0, uh, Fury 29-0. and 0. Both of them had one draw, so one tie, and it was against each other. So this was the rematch, the long-awaited rematch. Uh, and Tyson Fury kind of dominated the fight. Uh, Fury was able to take out Wilder and uh, win the heavyweight championship uh, by a seventh round TKO. And so this was a big deal over the weekend. Lots of people were excited about this fight. Uh, lots of people bought the pay-per-view. And uh, I did not. But from what I heard, uh, they were not left disappointed as it was a good fight. And Fury was able to take the crown. Uh, but that opened up a lot of conversation about who is Tyson Fury, uh, because if you watch the fights and you watch the um, the weigh-in and the pre-fight kind of histrionics, Tyson Fury is a bubbly guy. He is a funny guy and uh, has quite the story. But when he opens up and shares his own life story, uh, it is fascinating. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to... Uh, about two minutes worth of clips of Tyson Fury in an interview he did well before this fight. This wasn't after the fight. And uh, then I want to talk about it a little bit. So this is heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. You know, life's hard. Nothing's ever going to hit you as hard as life will. And anyone who suffers with mental health problems, it is a silent killer. Kills more people every year than, than most other things. Of men under 35, it's the biggest killer on earth. Um... And I was no different. You know, you think in the heavyweight champion of the world, guy who's on top of everything, he must be happy, right? But there wasn't. There wasn't a day that I woke up that I didn't pray for death. You know, I had everything to be happy for, but every day was grey and dark. And my problem was, I come from a big, hard, tough family who no one communicates and no one shows weakness. If you show type of weakness, it means you're a weak person where I come from. So I was stuck between all of that bravado and family peer pressure and everything. Didn't know what to do. So I just didn't tell anybody about it um, until one day I exploded and I couldn't, I couldn't continue anymore. And I had to uh, seek help immediately. And I, I do think that the most important thing with anyone who suffers with mental health is communication. Without communication with others, we're not going to get better. But I do promise anybody who's listening anybody who's suffering, that it will get better. And there is going to be sunshine days once again. Because I've been there, I've woke up every day and I felt terrible. And there is no pinpoint accuracy on what causes this problem. Because if we knew, we just wouldn't do that thing that's caused it. And move on. You can't tell someone to pull themselves together and get up and do it. Because that just puts you in a deeper hole. 
It Tyson. comes from deep down within my soul. A true bred born fighting man who never quits, never says die. And if I was ever gone a jacket, it wouldn't have been in a boxing ring. It'd have been when I was suffering with mental health. I was on the verge of suicide. That's when I'd have quit. But I didn't quit on myself and I didn't quit on the world. That's why I'm back here to tell a story. So, so powerful. That's their, uh, you know, we get this view of these fighters as larger than life. And uh, Tyson Fury is, lar- I mean, he's six foot seven. I think he he weighed in at 280 or something just ridiculous. I think he's closer to 6'9". Was he the 6'9 one and Wilder was 6'7"? Yeah. yeah. So just an enormous person and a bubbly character. Uh, but there on the, I believe that was from the Rich Eisen show, uh, Fury opens up about um, this issue of mental illness, which he says kills more guys over the age of 35 or at the age of 35 than anything else. And uh, it was really powerful to hear because on the one hand, again, I'm fully aware that you there is no like one caricature of people who struggle with mental illness. But you would at first blush, you'd be like, well, that guy doesn't. Right. He's just out there. He's super successful. He's gregarious. He's at the top of his game. But he said, I had all sorts of things to be happy about, but I, everything was gray. And uh, he said to the point that he would pray for death. I want you to think about that line for a second. I want you to think about when he said, I wanted to pray for death. And then he goes on to say, the key in all of this is communication. You need to tell people how you're feeling. You need to tell people what is going on. And I wanted to highlight this, not just because it's in the news because of the Fury Wilder fight from the other day. But man, I think there's a lot of us who are Christ followers out there who don't either allow ourselves to even acknowledge that we may be struggling uh, mentally with some mental illness, or if we know that we are, we think that it's uh, you know that that it's a failure on my part, and therefore I can't let other people see it. And so I think our churches are littered with people, uh, and I think churches are doing a better job, but not great yet. And I think churches are littered with people uh, struggling with mental illness who do not feel the freedom within those churches to express that and to get help and. Uh, you know, generations past, uh, it was really looked down upon about going to counseling and stuff like that. But I think we as a culture, and again, we are getting better at it, but we as as a church culture uh, need to have some more honest conversations about what mental health looks like, mental health of pastors. I think there is a growing academic uh, epidemic of mental illness amongst pastors. Uh, that they certainly do not feel the freedom to talk about. That's why Ian and I, we've done stories in the past year, multiple stories in the past year of pastoral suicides. And uh, but then also just congregants struggling with mental illness. We as churches uh, need to not just not stigmatize those things, but we need to be places where there is great freedom to say, no, we believe you. We are here for you. We are here to help you as opposed to just telling people just have the joy of the Lord. Like that's while a thing is not helpful to somebody mired uh, in the darkness as uh, as Tyson Fury put it there, everything was just gray. And he said, I should have been happy. I had reason to be happy. I thought I must be happy. And he's like, I'm just dying inside praying for death. If that is at all a description of you, let me affirm you. And at the and then also tell you, you, you let us help you. Uh, so call your church or let a friend know. Or you could call us here at the radio station. 
uh, let us know. We want to be there for you. And I know it's often asking a lot to ask that person to make the first step. So maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody else, but get the help that you need. At least begin with the help that you need. And and for the church, we got to do, we got to keep getting better at this. We have to keep doing well. So I'm thankful for these words of Tyson Fury, the new heavyweight champion of the world, opening up about his struggles. Hopefully that will help many other people uh, who struggle the same way. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about two food-related stories. Going to lighten the mood a little bit here. Up here next on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Monday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online, 1160hope.com. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we are grateful for those of you who do that. Uh, usually joined by Ian Simpkins. Ian is out this week. Uh, we will have uh, some local pastors, local ministry leaders uh, sitting in, including uh, in the next hour, we're going to be joined by Ashley Hare. He is the uh, lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. Very excited to have Ashley back. He's been here a few times. Hey, uh, John, what are the chances Ian's listening to the podcast while he's away? Well, uh, he is doing us a favor by posting a lot on the Facebook page. So a lot of stuff you're getting is either from me on the show or Ian. Yep. Uh, it's a gamble because I think the editors are the only ones that are able to see which person <laughs> on the page is posting. But uh, Nah, you guys post good stuff. Ian, if you're listening to the podcast, good to see you, bud. Hope your week's going well. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're excited for this week, but we're excited to have Ian back when he is back in town. Uh, before we jump into these uh, two articles I want to talk about, let me tell you about two things. First is this. You are probably not thinking about back-to-school season right now. In fact, most parents with kids in school are more likely to be thinking about spring break. But now is the best time to think about where you'll be sending your son or daughter to school this fall. And it's a big decision. And you may have felt like private Christian school simply wasn't in the budget for your family. Well, think again. We want to tell you about HalfPriceSchools.com. At HalfPriceSchools.com, you can find local, private Christian schools from all over Chicagoland that are offering vouchers for a full year of tuition at half the price with no catch. Find a school near you, purchase the tuition voucher, and prepare to send your child off to school this fall. It's that simple. HalfPriceSchools.com has schools located all across Chicagoland, including Westminster Christian School in Elgin, Christian Liberty Academy in Arlington Heights, and Chicago Hope Academy on the near west side of Chicago. So make private Christian school affordable for your family for the first time this year. But these vouchers will sell out. So visit halfpriceschools.com today. That's halfpriceschools.com. Also, I shared this earlier, but AM 1160 is excited to welcome songwriter and recording artist Andrew Peterson to Elmhurst Christian Reform Church on Friday night, March 27th. For the first stop on the 2020 Resurrection Letters Tour, don't miss your chance to see Andrew Peterson in concert. Tickets start at just $25, and VIP tickets are available for $49 and include a pre-concert question and answer with Andrew. Group discounts are available for groups of 10 or more, so get your tickets today at 1160hope.com. That is 1160hope.com. 
All right, I think I got them all in there. Got them all in. Bingo. Are you aware? You're a musician. Do you know Andrew Peterson? I, yeah, I know his song, uh, Is He Worthy? We've done quite a bit. And that's that's a very uh, gospel-loaded awesome. modern hymn, if you, if you will. It's really, really nice. All right. Here's the article off CNN. Guilty as charged. Chuck Schumer admits to spending $8,600 on cheesecake. In less than 10 years. That's, so this, that's the fault. This article is going to get better. It's going to feel less big deal. But that headline, talk about a headline grabber right there. Guilty. Spending $8,600. Let me just tell you some of the background. Washington Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on Sunday acknowledged a report that he spent more than $8,600 on cheesecake in less than 10 years, saying it is his, quote, guilty pleasure and that he frequently rewards supporters with gifts at a famed New York restaurant. The New York Senator's PAC, Friends of Schumer, paid Junior's Cheesecake in New York for supporter acknowledgments in amounts ranging from $46 to $516, according to an analysis of the Federal Election Commission filings between 2009 and 2016. In total, $8,638.85 was spent at the restaurant during the time. The New York Post first was reporting on Schumer's cheesecake spending. During a news conference uh, on Sunday in New York City, Schumer addressed the report about his sweet tooth and shared his love for the famed restaurant's dessert. I give them as gifts. I use them for bets. You know, when someone wants to bet something, you know, for a Brooklyn thing versus a Wisconsin thing, the New York Democrat said as he held up a copy of the news report and a platter of six uh, uh, six cheesecake slices. So I say to the New York Post and others, guilty as charged. I love Junior's Cheesecake. It's the best cheesecake in the world. Schumer said he'd have been a fan of the restaurant since he was a young boy. Producer John, if uh, cheesecake is his dessert guilty pleasure, what is yours? Cheesecake. Is it? I'm, I'm relating so hard to this guy right now, but then I look at like how much he spent, and I'm thinking, okay, so two slices at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> this poor guy has succumbed to the overpriced... I do love cheesecake. It's fantastic. And I, I'm, I'm a purist, so I'll take a regular slice of New York cheesecake, like not flavored. And my, my grandma makes a really good All right. uh, chocolate one, but I'm not a fan of it. It's too rich. I need it to be regular with some berries and put stuff Is on Is your top. grandma a listener? Does your grandma just learn oh, that you're yeah, not a fan? I'm not a fan of her. She knows that. She knows that, but she makes Well, to stuff. John's grandma, I would like some of your cheesecake. I'll bet you it's wonderful. I think cheesecake in the dessert guilty pleasure for me is going to be one or two. I, I still am an ice cream guy. I think I'm going to go ice cream above cheesecake. Give me some cherry pie, too. Cherry pie? I am. Apple pie, too. I'm an apple pie fanatic. I yep. love it. I am not. What I'm not is a cake guy, okay. cookie guy. I will like them. I'll eat them, but not above those other things. Portillo chocolate cake. That, the Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, you do know what the mystery ingredient is in them, right? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. I got a fun story about that. So my great-grandma, she grew up about half a mile from the original Portillo's. Okay. And she, she lived there. And she made chocolate cake for all, all of our birthdays, the great-grandkids, the grandkids, everybody, with mayonnaise. Wow. I didn't hear about that. I thought she was the unusual, the outlier, and I hadn't had I was a kid. And I knew she used it. The whole family did. Didn't find out. I didn't hear about the, the, the mayonnaise thing until I heard that Portillo's did the same thing. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Interesting. They grew up a half a mile you apart. You busted grandma. Either she stole or they stole because it was right around the same time. She was old. I mean, she was Pretty born in 1915. Pretty confident grandma stole. I don't know. Pretty confident. <laughs> 
There you go. And keeping along this same line, we get this out of the uh, Chicago Tribune. Baker Square bankruptcy closes five Chicago area restaurants. Citing increased competition and declining foot traffic, Baker Square has shuttered five of its Chicago area restaurants, best known for its pies, as it seeks bankruptcy protection. Uh, The business that operates Baker Square and Village Inn restaurant chains closed 33 locations and laid off 1,100 employees across the United States uh, to reduce its losses. In addition to the restaurants, the company's legendary baking unit operates a pie baking facility in suburban Oak Forest and a distribution center in Chicago. So we're losing one of the icons. Not all of them. There's still one actually by where I live that is remaining open, but... Baker Square going to be harder to find that French silk pie. Oh, now I am just stop hungry. It. Yes. Stop it. We talk cheesecake, French silk pie, Portillo's chocolate cake. <laughs> we are enjoying ourselves well, see, today. We're at, the, we're at the top of the hour. we got about seven minutes. We can run some. We can go run. Go. Go Come get on. me some. Coming up next after uh, our break, you're gonna, uh, at, we're going to be joined by Ashley Hare. Ashley is the lead pastor at Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. We're really excited for Ashley to join us. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, Ian Simpkins here. And after we had this marriage conference with Thrivent and two other local churches, it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference. I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did. And so they actually provided me with this list of like 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics were things that people in my church were actually asking me, things that I didn't really know how to talk about. And so they offered numerous free workshops for the people in our church to help them be wise with money and to live generously. And let me tell you, it was this really beautiful sort of no strings attached kind of a, we want to help you do this better. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with Thrivent and being really grateful for the ways that they were coming alongside us and the local churches around us. And if you're interested at all in learning more, I cannot encourage you enough to head to thrivent.com today. Coming up this hour, we are going to have Ashley Hare, pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect, in studio with us. You're listening to The Common Good. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. My name is Brian Fromm. Normally joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out for the whole week. Ian is down. I believe we decided in Tennessee getting smart at grad school, and uh, so he's going to come back and give us all sorts of wisdom when he gets here. Uh, but sitting in Ian's place, we're bringing in some old friends, a lot of local pastors through the course of the week. Uh, and speaking of old friends, here is Ashley Hare. Ashley, thanks for coming back in. So good to be here, although I didn't realize I was old. Uh, old as in this is like your third show with us. Okay. <laughs> I did turn 42 a couple days ago, so that does feel older. Let's talk about that for a second. Ashley is the uh, pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect, just to give you his credentials a little bit. Uh, also, his second or third time here in studio with us. And... Uh, I'm 42. I turned 42 this year as well. Congratulations. <laughs> Made it. Uh, does it feel... You just turned it right yesterday, right? Yeah. 
do you feel? Old does 42 feel? What is the feel of 42 for you? I was in bed all week with a fever. <laughs> and so I started off my sermon talking about how I felt like a Mack truck named Khalil Mack ran smack into me. So I feel about 82 right now. This is the most human I have felt in a week. But nah, I like 40s. Okay, tell me about that. So, thirties, I was still at Motorola, and there was this: I gotta go accomplish something. I gotta get that position, that yep. page, whatever yep. the next thing yep. was. Forties is kind of like, nah, it's too late. You did a career change. <laughs> you had your midlife late. crisis already. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Yeah, it's easier. That's it's more really fun. Funny. That's really funny. Well, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, family? What about your church? And then I'd love to get. I know we've told it before, but. Little secret: Not everybody who listens listens all all every hour that we're on the air. So, uh, for people who have not heard you on before, why don't you give us a little bit of your story? Because you've got a, a an interesting journey into ministry that uh, is different than most of us pastors. So, why don't you jump off there? I took the path that no one should ever take again. That's a disclaimer <laughs> on the front end. So, I uh, I graduated from Iowa State University with a degree in electrical engineering. Clearly, that shows I'm going left, not right here. Mm-hmm. But um. Did 17 years at Motorola. Um, when we moved to Chicago, we were um, we were part of a little church plant that started in our living room. We were helping a group of friends get going, and we thought they'd leave our living room after a couple months. <laughs> and uh, we ended up staying with them. And um, we ended up they we we were living in Crystal Lake at the time. That's where we started the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew they were going to settle in this sort of Mount Prospect, Arlington Heights area. And uh, when they settled here, they asked us, you know, just keep coming. You haven't found another church yet. I'm like, well, we haven't found another church yet because we're going to church in our living <laughs> room. we're here every week. <laughs> so we would make the hour trek in, and um, it was fine when it was just my wife, Jill, and I. But then in April of 11, we had two boys, mm. and we're going to church over an hour away, and that's not working. That's hard. So we're like, either we back out and find a church out in Crystal Lake, which we were not excited about. Mm-hmm. Or we sell our house in the absolute pit of the housing market <laughs> and move to be closer to this church that we weren't supposed to be a part of long term. So you went, you made a move to be by the church. We moved from Crystal Lake to Arlington Heights to be closer to this church. Interesting. And uh, it was the worst financial decision we ever made. Uh, Dave Ramsey would not be happy with that decision. <laughs> but it was the best decision we made. Yeah. And uh, it was actually great. I was closer to the office for Motorola. I ended up taking a job change that... That was a little bit more beneficial for me there. Uh, started overseeing our kids' ministry, um, which I knew absolutely nothing sure. about. But they were like, well, your boys seem to love Jesus, so just do that with the rest of the kids. Yep. And um, a couple years later, Ryan, our planning pastor, said, uh, hey, it's time for me to move on. It's time for you to step up. And so in March of 16, I stepped in as lead pastor of the church that started in our living room that we weren't supposed to be a part of long term. Let's back up there. So he comes to you and says, it's time for me to go. Yep. Did you argue with them or were you like, uh, or when he says, and it's time for you to step up, were you like, yeah, no, totally. Or was that just this crisis of like, what bomb just got dropped in my lap here? He, He came over to our house. It was the Friday before Thanksgiving and he was talking to Jill and I at the same time. And the three of us were just weeping because mm. we knew we were losing our friend. Yeah. And that was what hit first, not what it was going to do to us. It yeah. was, wait a second, we're, we're losing you? Uh, then about 20 minutes in, it was, wait a second, that means... And so, I mean, we had the decision made within that hour conversation. Wow. There was nothing, there was nothing to pray about. Yeah. When God tells you move, you move. Mm-hmm. Um, we prayed a lot about how, but not if. Yeah. There was there was no need to. Um, so we gave him the answer right there at the dinner table. 
Mm. And that began a three-month behind-the-scenes transition process. To, so he stayed on for three months. Yeah, it was th- that was November, and it was February when he read his resignation to the congregation. Okay, okay. What kind of prep did you do in those three months? I'm trying to think what would, <laughs> what would get me prepared for something like that. We met once a week, yeah. but his thing was, you're not going to know until you're in it. Uh, and I didn't know what that, that meant until I was in it. And he was right. There's not much you can prepare someone for. I had no vocational ministry experience. Yep. I had no Bible degree of any kind. I didn't know what I was getting into. And so the big thing was humility. Mm-hmm. Let people know you don't know what you're doing. It's okay. Mm. These are your people. They'll love you. They'll support you. They'll give you grace. Yeah. And oh my goodness, have they? Yeah. Uh, so how many years has this been now? Be four years. Four years. How would you classify those these last four years? If you if you could go back in time and tell Ashley four years ago. As you're kind of on the precipice of this, what are some things you tell yourself? You're going to get there. Mm. It's going to be okay. Mm. You're going to make mistakes. People expect you to make mistakes. It's okay. Um, Those moments where I tried to be more than I was, those are the ones that I really want back. Mm. Um, But it's been four years of nothing but transition. And to look back over all that we've made it through, it's kind of cool. You know, we lost our lead pastor, our executive pastor, our worship pastor, Another associate pastor, we merged with a older, smaller church and moved four miles and inherited a building. <laughs> other than that, not other than that, on. in four years, it was, you know, oh, and I was and I'm in seminary the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you got little kids. Yeah. And two uh, eight year old boys <laughs> going to be nine in a couple months. So here we are joking about it, but what has that been like now? I'm really asking. We're like eight minutes in so I can. No one's listening. So we can. <laughs> it's just you and me. What is that like for a marriage? That much change, job change, kids, uh, moving, all of that. That's a, that's a lot if you were a single guy trying to process that. What has that been like for a marriage? We don't know any different. Yeah. I mean, my whole time at Motorola was go, 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 go. Okay. So this is just the same of what we were doing before, only at a different job, really. But you, you find those little nuggets of time. So I had a weekend class up at Trinity uh, a couple weekends ago. And so Jill and the boys came up Friday night for dinner and we went to Panera and hung out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that was our time together on Friday since I was away. Um, the boys are going to, st- uh, this is their first spring playing baseball. Fun. So they come into the gym and we take batting practice in the gym at the church. Like who <laughs> else gets fun. to do that? So we try and do things where I want the church to be a fun place for them. Absolutely. I want them to enjoy being a PK. Yep. I don't want, I, I read Barnabas Piper's book not long ago. And I was like, I don't want that for my kids, mm. the things that he had to go through. And so I've got to do a better job of defending my time with them and defending them when they're when they're with me. So, like, they get treated like regular members of the church. Yep. They serve on the welcome team. You know, they <laughs> they help in kids. They help in service project days. They do all the we do it all together. Yeah, you know, yeah. when I'm there, they can be there with me and they know it's a safe place. That Barnabas Piper book is always scary to me because, I mean, his he grew up in like the pastor family for many people in our country, right? Yeah. Being the son of John Piper. And uh, so to, to read his struggles growing up is uh, I find that as a dad and as a pastor, really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, quite frankly, I'm not exactly sure how to <laughs> navigate it, except to, like you said, make church as normal as possible for yeah. our kids and make him make them never think they have to be different than how they are by because they're the PK. I keep asking them too, like, what do you like best? What do you like worst? Mm. 
I want to hear what you have to say. And uh, you're eight years old now. You can you get a voice in this. Yeah. You know, that's crazy, man. Well, it's good to be a pastor. It's good to have you. There's here. no better job, is there? Most days. Most days. <laughs> Most of the days. Other days, you're probably like, I wonder if Motorola's hiring. <laughs> you know, not once. Not I once. don't want to go back. I love this. I love the That's highs. Awesome. I love the lows. I love the people I'm with. That's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's why we're having you back here. You're listening to Ashley Hare. Ashley is uh, the lead pastor at Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. Uh, coming up next, Ashley and I are going to keep our pastor hats on and just kind of talk about state of the church, things we love about pastoring, things that concern us. We're going to go all across the board here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad you're joining us on this Monday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, usually joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out this week. Uh, so here's what we're trying to do. I'm doing some segments by myself, but for the most part, trying to bring in pastors and ministry leaders from in town uh, in the Chicagoland area. Uh, guys who could come in and and we can just have some fun conversation. And so with that in mind, uh, we are joined again for another segment or another couple segments by Ashley Hare. Ashley is the lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect. Ashley's got a great story of uh, this kind of the uh, winding path that led to ministry. Just keep chasing the carrot. There you go. So if you didn't hear that part of the story, you could do so at our podcast. Uh, Are you a podcast guy? Not even necessarily our podcast. Do you listen to podcasts? When I started running last summer, Mm -hmm. I started podcasting a whole lot more. Okay. Running like 13 miles is boring without something. My favorite has been, who, who's the real curly-haired, smart guy, revisionist history? Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. That is one of my favorite oh. ones right there. I love Malcolm, revisionist history. And th- did you know, I had a friend hook me up with this. You can check out um, audiobooks from the library for free. I did know that. That was revolutionary. Oh, Mind okay. blown. So, Malcolm Gladwell, are you aware that his last book he just wrote, uh, Talking to Strangers, I believe yeah. it's called? The, he did the the audiobook as a podcast. Yeah, he he put a chapter up exactly as an episode. So you might get both. I love that Malcolm one's not Gladwell at the library stuff. yet. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, I love Gladwell stuff. It's fascinating. You would just finish it and you're like, what did I just listen to? <laughs> so good. <coughs> Even if you don't agree with him, it's good. Yeah, no, he's a master storyteller yeah. and a master in the way he brings stuff. But yeah, Ian and I have laughed because you know. Uh, there, it feels like almost there are more people who think what him, what him and I are doing is a podcast, not a radio show. People all the time will be like, oh, I listen to your podcast. We're like, or, uh, but also the number of people who are like, yeah, I listen to you guys on one and a half speed or double the speed. And I'm like, what? That's even a th- like people do that. That's what I do with all my lectures at school that I take an online class maybe for lectures. Maybe, maybe I could do it for lectures. This but... professor this semester, she speaks so slow. I can actually get it to 1.75 <laughs> and it's normal. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> I'm going to try to do a sermon at double the speed. <laughs> hey, for all you podcast <laughs> listeners out there, uh, here we go. And so uh, Ashley, as we said, is the lead pastor at Redemption Bible Church. So let's keep our pastor hats on here. Do you ever that... take it off? No, I was going to say, I know we never take these off we always like to tell our elders once an elder always an elder always and so um 
I'm wondering, let's uh, let's start on the positive. Uh, what do you love about you being a pastor and about your church? The thing that I've come to really appreciate these last couple months, and it's not that something changed and I'm all of a sudden appreciating it because um, it wasn't there before, but I've appreciated it more, has been our elders. And uh, okay. something's happened over these last six months. We've been, we've been down a staff member the last year. Mm-hmm. And it's forced a lot of people to step up, so to speak, yeah. and fill roles. And it's been so exciting to see how some people have responded to that. Yeah. And some people you've tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. And other people have raised their hand and say, I think I'd like to do this. Oh, and, and both have been fun to see. But our two lay elders are two of the most incredible men. I've always known that. But to see them... When we get together for an elder meeting now to see that or hear them talk about conversations they're having with other people throughout the week. And I'm like, man, you're you're out there eldering mm. all week. Yeah. Um, you're there with me on Sunday. Like, I really feel like we're in this together, That's awesome. you know, and that feels really good. Uh, we got an elder candidate that we're bringing into the process that I'm super excited about. But um, it's been this shift on, you know. We've been joking about, you know, like organization and entrepreneur and all that, but character and chemistry. Mm. Those have been the two things that we've been most focused on is the character. Paul doesn't talk about anything other than character in his two lists. Uh, So character and then uh, chemistry, like, is this the right church for you to be an elder at? Do you fit with us as a team? Are Mm. we building each other up as we build the body up? And um that's happening right now. Mm. And I've got a friend, um, our planning pastor, who went through just a horrible season at a church uh, prior to the church he planted now. And it was due to a toxic elder board. Mm. And I don't want that. No, no, I don't want that. I want men who are just going to pour into these people. And um, we've got that right now. So I'm so appreciative of that. I'm so appreciative of these new leaders that have risen up. And, um, you know, we talked about, too. All this transition we've been through in four years. Yeah. Just for fun, the other day, I went and I looked at all of the list of uh, members who were members at Redemption prior to me coming on as lead pastor, mm-hmm. who are still there today. And I was so grateful mm. for each and every name on that list. Yeah. Um, or we did an elder retreat a, uh, a couple months ago, and we were praying. We printed out the, the membership roster, and we spent, uh, we spent three hours praying, and we only got through half the names. Mm. Um. And it was so encouraging, all these people that are, as you're praying for them out loud with this group of guys, remembering all that they've done to pour into this church. Yeah. And um, it's not my church. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it's God's church. Let's put that up front. But it yeah. is our church. And um, there's no other place I'd rather be. And, I, and what I love is getting, getting to hear other pastors say the same thing about their church. Yeah. Because it kind of breaks down those competitive walls of it's not you versus me. It's, it's we. And We're I don't mean to sound kind of yeah. cheesy in that. Yeah. But um, you're loving your people and I'm loving my people. And let's keep doing that. And let's yeah. keep encouraging and supporting each other and doing that. So your church sounds healthy at the moment. And so how well, we got our we got our problems, don't yeah. we all? But yeah. 
I'd say we're doing okay. How do you foster that sort of depth of community that can withstand, you know, major changes and transitions? Uh, are there some specific things you guys did, or do you feel like you kind of lucked into it a little bit? I mean, it's a grace of God because all I can think of are things that I did wrong. Hmm. Um, we tried to communicate as much as we could as soon as we could, but I wish we did more. Yeah, you know, I wish I was in the homes in the small groups way more than I was throughout the whole thing. Just at what are you guys worried about? What are you scared of? What are yeah. you nervous about? I wish every guy that I've talked to that's going through some sort of similar merger uh, type situation. That's been my my feedback is get into the homes with the small groups and ask them how are you feeling. Mm. Uh, I think I was just too insecure at the time. Yeah, I didn't want to know. Uh, there's well, that's a there's some wisdom right there, because I think a lot of pastors, we would say, well, we don't have the time to be in every home. We don't have time for this. But uh, that's deep, why I said in the small groups, because yep, yep. then you're hitting a group um, in the homes. But I think often it's even that feel of like, I don't want to know what they got to say. What if, what if I'm the only one that wants this? Yeah. You know, um, I had a pastor buddy who said um, he, we were talking about a, a hard season he had had years before. Uh, and he said he made a he made a point to uh, meet with every person who was leaving, uh, and uh, that immediately I was just like, really? And uh, but then not just meet with them, but he had a list of like he was tracking why they left because he wanted yeah. to know is it me? Is it program? Is it this? And I was like, that takes some real humility because out a of lot. that the answer could end up being you. So sometimes it's nicer not to even kind of look under that rock, right? Yeah. And and just kind of let things go. Do you ever wonder when new people come to your church, when guests come, and then you don't see them come back, wonder, like, I wonder why they didn't come back? Yeah. And and nobody ever asked them. <laughs> and so the reason I asked was I was asking a friend who, who does some executive pastor work for churches um, called My XP Plug. And uh, do you guys use them? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, he is my best friend too there but, you go there you go there but you i'm go. also a client i'm also a client i used that i used size sperling in my sermon yesterday that's funny <laughs> but uh, i was asking i was like tyler why i wonder why they're not coming back i'd love to maybe get him a survey and he's like ash do you really want to know <laughs> he's like somebody's not coming back because you have a beard yeah somebody's not coming back because they don't like your studded boots which yep. i think are just awesome <laughs> um and he's like I don't want you knowing some of those things because I don't want you changing who you are. Yes. Those are not sinful things. Uh, the things that the elders need to correct, I know they're correcting in you. Hmm. The rest of them, don't worry about that. There's another church for those folks. And that's where it gets really difficult. The There's another church for some people yeah. in a healthy way, not like in a, yes. there's another church for you. But like that there are sometimes healthy times to go. There's another church for you. Like, yeah, there's, there's a, where they will be blessed. You will be blessed. Yep. And we'll probably be blessed by you not being here because it's just a bad fit. I struggle with that because uh, I want us to be the church for everybody. Yep. Uh, and that's caused me some pain over the years. Oh, I'm loving this conversation. Let's continue it next. Uh, you're listening to Ashley Hare. He is uh, sitting in for Ian Simpkins in this hour. Ashley is the lead pastor at Redemption Bible Church up here in Mount Prospect. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today on this Monday evening. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, Twitter at Common Good Talk, online, 1160hope.com. And as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. 
Ian Simpkins, our norm, uh, my normal co-host here, is out of town for the week doing some uh, grad school work. So I'm being joined by various uh, pastors and ministry leaders through the course of the week. And with that in mind, continue to be joined this hour uh, by the lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church here in Mount Prospect, Ashley Hare. Ashley, thanks for staying here. Thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for not running during the commercial break. I am. I just went to the restroom. I said I was coming back. <laughs> I don't always. I don't always trust people. Uh, you and I also both come in. Both of us off of that nasty chest cold, flu, whatever. Uh, so you people might hear double the coughs today. So that's good times. I got like all my cough out in the break. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want to do. Last segment we talked about what excites you about being a pastor and about your church in uh, in specific. I want to I want to step back further. I want to go big C church. I want to go evangelical church. Uh, That's a more, dirty word now, isn't it? It is uh, for some people. And I want to go more Western church here. I understand that everything we're going to talk about is that happens in the United States isn't happening worldwide. But I want to you know, this is what this is the the river we're swimming in. Uh, so I'd like to do that. Um, let's, I let you be positive last time. Let's go, let's go on the negative front. What worries you as a pastor, as you kind of observe our Christian evangelical mm. culture, what worries you right now? We, it seems like we want to be known by, for what we're against. Yeah, that's good. Rather than what we are for. Yeah. Help people understand that. What, what might that look like? If you follow many on Twitter, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a... Speaking of toxic places. <laughs> ooh, it's terrible. And the worst people on Twitter are, I think, sometimes pastors. It's truth. Um, but it's a... One of the guys I follow, he's he's back home in Iowa. He says, uh, don't listen to what I'm not saying. Mm. And so many of the responses seem to be attacking what someone's not saying. Yep, yep. You know, I, I spoke out against this. Well, what about that, 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 and that, yeah, and that? Yeah. And... We are divisive amongst ourselves. And though, so I just preached, uh, I'm going through James right now. And we just had James 119, um, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And like, I think that might be the best advice we could take on Twitter right now mm. is let's listen to people a bit more. And um, I kind of feel like we are our own worst enemy within the evangelical church in attacking each other on secondary and tertiary issues. Mm -hmm. And who on the outside looking in wants to be a part of that? Absolutely. Um, What I I said in a sermon yesterday is like the world's drawn a caricature of the church and it is not pretty. Mm. And so rather than playing the part that's been drawn for us, let's draw a new picture, a picture out of love. Mm. So when the world hates, let's love. When the world excludes, let's love. When the world labels us bigots and intolerant, let's love. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I, I, Is that where I do a mic drop? I feel it's really good. <laughs> I let it sit in there and I'm like, oh, wait, I should probably talk. Uh, I feel like this is where one of my frustrations comes in. I feel like most Christians I know uh, want that. And I feel like the loudest Christians are the ones that create the caricature. Yes. And that's what's really hard. And they get the most attention then, too. hundred percent. And that's where it becomes really difficult because uh, the people like if I said that what you said, hopefully you that got an amen in your church. I feel like if you said that in, in amongst my circle of people, they'd be like, yes, that's what I want. Yeah. But there's always like for 10 people preaching that there's that one voice over here who's killing people on Twitter or being really partisan or whatever else. Uh, and they're the ones who suck all the oxygen out of the yeah. room, and they're the ones that get all the attention. I don't know what to do about that. So, 
uh, other than just to continue to talk well, about but it. You said partisan. That's another thing, too. Let's talk politics a little bit. There is an election coming up. Don't there know if you is. know that. So uh, as a pastor, um, what do you do? What, what do you think these next, uh, what do we got, nine months or so? What are they going to look Math like? Math is for hard. You? Yeah, I know it really is. And I think I'm off. Oh, no, I think I was right. Uh, what, how are you going to speak about politics? How are you going to Facebook and tweet about politics? How are you going to help your church navigate these next season? By wearing a red hat in the pulpit. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I want people to not know who I'm voting for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a professor in undergrad that uh, I took a world religion class my last semester as like a blow off course. And it was really interesting because my roommate and I were trying to figure out what religion he was mm-hmm. and we could not figure out. We handed in the final exam and we're like, OK, so tell us now we need to know. And he's like, you couldn't figure it out. And I was like, no. And he's like, good. That's the point. Did he not tell you? He wouldn't tell us. Oh, that's frustrating. And, and that's kind of the point. Like, I don't need you to know who I'm voting for. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to come through. I want Christ to come through in my sermon. Yep. Um, so I even I mentioned it on Sunday. It's like, guys, I'm going to take every opportunity I can in an elections year to talk politics, but I'm not going to talk candidates. Yep. Um, policies we already talk about. We'll, we'll continue with that. I want to talk about how we talk. Yeah. I want to talk about the speech we use and the divisive speech that we often use. And let's listen to each other. Let's not make assumptions. But like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen and heard people to the extent of like questioning someone's salvation mm-hmm. because of who they voted for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By I, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. And I think we have to be so careful. Uh, I don't think as Christians, our goal is to not die on any hills. I just think we're really bad at choosing the right ones to die on. Yeah. And you and I might have different ones. Yes. And that's what's going to inform our vote. And so how should I, why should I vilify you for choosing something different than me? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm sure like all of us, you've got people in your church who are hyper partisan on both sides uh, and probably vocal on both Uh, sides. Do you feel as a pastor, a need to step in there and, and and gently or not so gently uh, encourage them away from that talk, or how do you, how do you see your shepherding as it comes to that? I want I want to watch how the tone you're using. Mm. It's okay to speak up. It's okay to speak out. We should have a strong Christian voice in the election season. Yep, yep. we should on, on both sides. Um, but are you attacking the other side? Uh, from a faith and spiritual perspective, mm. uh, that's where um, that's where I think I get rubbed the wrong way, and I would probably lovingly step in, not on social media, but you know, bring the brother in and be like, "Hey, you remember when you we were talking about that the other mm-hmm. day? Is that mm-hmm. I don't know if that's maybe the best way we can go about doing this." Yeah, because let's be honest, whose mind have you changed on social media? <laughs> that's a great point. I do think that. Uh, I tend to be an optimist. Like I think the church in the next nine months can have a lot of damage done to it, but I also think there's an enormous opportunity. Yeah. And I I don't think here, let's put it this way. I don't think we're going to get to the end of these nine months the next year and go, well, the church stayed the same. We're going to either culturally have kind of, I don't know how to put it other than say proven ourselves a little bit either way. Exactly. And, And so in some ways I'm excited about that. Uh, a little nervous, yeah. a little nervous and, and feeling the pressure of, OK, I want my people, my church to do this well. Yeah. And going, I don't even know how do we get and, there. And doing it well doesn't mean we all voted the same Not way. Not at all. 
Doing oh. it well meant we loved in the process. Yeah, I'd actually much prefer my church all voted uh, that they voted very differently from each other yeah. for very different reasons, and that that in our voting differences we were able to display the unity of the gospel. That hey, yeah. uh, I disagree with you vehemently. Um, Last I checked, Jesus was not running for president. There you go. We already so. have the Lord, right? <laughs> so, uh, hey, with like the minute we have left, uh, I can always tell a good guess by how fast it goes. Uh, with the minute we have left, persons out there driving in their car right now, they're struggling. They're just looking for hope. They're not even sure why they turned this show on. Uh, speak pastorally to them. Maybe give them a little bit of hope uh, where there might be currently some uh, hopelessness. You know, yesterday's sermon was a little heavy on law and obedience, if you will. And so I ended up just asking, you know, if this feels hard, it is. Mm. If it feels almost impossible, this bar that Christ has set, um, it is. If it's going to feel like you're going to fail, you will. Mm. And if it feels hopeless, it's not. Yeah. Because in it all, there's grace. And it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by your works, not by your words, not by anything that you have done, but what Christ has done for you. Mm. And just rest in that. That's good news, man. I preached out of Ephesians 2 yesterday. Oh, there you go. And so there you go. Ashley is going to get uh, something that we don't afford all of our guests. Uh, coming up next, we are going to land this plane. We are going to do interweb insanity, and we're going to let Ashley do them with us. Woo! So this could get off the rails quickly. You're going to want to come back. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here, and after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to, to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. That music can only mean one thing. It is the end of the show segment we like to call Interweb Insanity, where our producers, they find stories on the internet, crazy stories, sometimes inappropriate stories. We have not read them. If you are insulted, we are insulted with you. Uh, and so this is our, that's what we call our disclaimer right there. <laughs> so Ashley Hare, the lead pastor of Redemption Bible Church in Mount Prospect, he is going to stay with us. He doesn't know what he's getting himself into, even this though he's done fun. this once before with us. Uh, so Ashley, why don't you go first? Okay, this story comes to you from France. A man loses $60 million in Bitcoin when a landlord cleaned the house and sent everything to the dump <laughs> by mistake. Oh, and get this. An Irish drug dealer learned the hard way. I mean, like right there. It always there. starts that way. It all, it's, the story can only go downhill. What every Bitcoin investor knows, never lose your codes. Clifton Collins, a former security guard and bee, uh, bee, a beekeeper <laughs> turned weed grower and dealer, lost $60 million. I don't even feel sorry for him anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Uh, next one's out of Florida. Beware, voodoo doll made with human teeth and skin found on Florida beach put back in water. As if Florida waters didn't have enough worries, enough troubles and travails, there are sharks, crocodiles, snowbirds, locals, NASCAR enthusiasts, just to name a few. Uh, but now we can add a voodoo doll made with human teeth and skin floating somewhere off the coast. The doll was found on Cape Canaveral by a man named Bruce Robertson as he was walking on the beach. What was really sort of terrifying or horrifying or interesting was it had actual human teeth, he said. He then tossed it back in the ocean because other beachgoers told him it was a voodoo doll and it should be destroyed or found by a surfer in order to curse our kind. No, God! (laughs) No, God, please, no! 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 Good use of the office there. Good use of the office. (laughs) Okay, we're headed west to California. California Street shut down after 40,000 bees swarm from a hotel. What is it with me and bees? A swarm of as many as 40,000. Who counted those, by the way? Uh, Africanized bees sent several people to a hospital and closed a street in California after swarming uh, from the ease of a Howard Johnson Inn. The Hojo. I was about to say that. I bet they got like the doors that opened to the outside, actual keys, not cards. But they also had great breakfast. Great breakfast. Breakfast. So police and firefighters were called to the scene after a report of a bee sting on the boulevard in Pasadena on Wednesday evening. Two firefighters, two police officers, and one civilian ended up at the hospital after being stung. Something set them off. Some acti- No kidding. <laughs> it's hard to tell what, though. But something set off 40,000 bees, a guy told uh, from the Los Angeles County Beekeepers Association told local television station. Africanized bees descended from a crossbreed between African and European bees. I didn't know this much about bees. That was introduced in South America in the 1950s, but which escaped and proliferated and breeded in local species. Due to their habit of aggressively defending their nests, the insects have acquired a familiar nickname. Killer bees. Yeah, I really, really, really like bees. I really, really think you're making this up as you go. <laughs> I just, that was a good pause, man. That was well done. Killer bees. Uh, Washington State runner crawled for eight hours in sub-freezing temperatures after injuring his leg on a mountain trail. Uh, a runner crawled for nearly eight hours to find help after injuring his leg in a national park in, Was- in Washington, carrying a charged cell phone and displaying incredible grit and determination to self-rescue likely prevented more serious inju- injury in the case. Around 5 p.m. Friday, a runner was injured on the Duckabush River Trail in Olympic National Park, Washington. Uh, he was about 10 miles from the trailhead and his cell phone did not have a signal, so he couldn't call for help. Temperatures were below freezing, and he was wearing only light running clothes as he crawled for several miles. At 12.45 a.m. on Sunday, he realized his phone had a signal because he realized he re, uh, <laughs> received a text message. I don't want my family to hear I died in the wilderness. I think that would be unbearable, he said. A crew from the Brennan Fire Department, along with the Jefferson Search and Rescue Crew volunteers, responded and started up the trail to find the injured runner. A Jefferson County Sheriff's Deputy managed coordination and communication at the trailhead. It was a frozen, hostile wasteland. <laughs> and there was much work to be done if we were to survive the elements. Now we're staying in the state of Washington. Suspected car thieves caught in Yakima because of potato wedges. Yakima police say they were able to catch two people connected with a stolen car because of the purchase they made at a Walmart. 
According to police, a Dodge Ram pickup was stolen from a victim in a Yakima in Yakima in early February. Days later, police found the truck parked and unoccupied at a Maple Road in North Galloway Drive. After the pickup was returned to the owner, he he contacted the police. I can't speak today. Saying inside <laughs> the cab, he had found a Walmart receipt for potato wedges during the time the truck was taken. Investigators say police were able to recognize the two people as 24-year-old. We're going to protect the names. A 24 to 25-year-old who just didn't know better. Police say both had previously been arrested for burglary. Dunleavy has faced, oh, I just said his last name, <laughs> facing charges of possession of a stolen vehicle and purchasing potato wedges at Walmart. What's totals, Brussels? What's totals, huh? Potatoes. <laughs> Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. <laughs> you found some random clips today, man. <laughs> That's good. Ashley, well done with the kickers, man. Well Thanks done. for having me. This is really fun. We're going to do this again sometime. Ashley Harris sitting in for Ian Simpkins today. Uh, Join us tomorrow from 4 until 6 p.m. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.